Hello, my friends. Andy coming to you live from Orange County, California. Uh, sorry, I'm standing up today. I didn't adjust my camera accordingly. <laughs> So I'm going to be standing a lot. I'm going to be talking about what's on the whiteboard. I got a lot of videos. I'm going to be producing this show all by myself. One of these days, I'm going to get Kelly, my son, to uh, be my producer so I don't have to sit here and, and operate all these buttons all at the same time. So let's uh, let's pray that it all goes well and that I have a lot of videos to show you. I have a lot of demonstrating to show you. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is a bunch of these shootings that have been going on. And of course, the media is going crazy. They want you to believe the cops are racist. They want you to believe that all these people have this been hunted down and killed without any um you know pre-existing uh crimes committed or um you know at, at no fault of the criminal uh you know we had a rapist that was uh you know shot and, and paralyzed we're going to be uh talking about that we have a 13 year old boy that unfortunately was involved in a shooting carrying a gun and running away from cops he was shot and killed we have another guy who um was a robbery suspect and had warrants out for his arrest who was stopped who decided to resist arrest and got shot and killed uh, we're going to be talking about those uh particular shootings and some of the things that you need to know. Now, all of it, uh, you're not gonna want to probably hear. Um, I, I know that um, you probably think of me as a pro-law enforcement and I'm always going to support law enforcement. That's not always true. Um, I need to always make sure and remind all of you that are watching is that um, I, I believe that my job is to look at every uh, police incident uh, on its own merit and decide uh, one way or another, whether the, the cop did his best to do his best. And if the training is good, if his uh, reactions were good, if his decision-making was good, and uh, calling it as I see it. I testify in a lot of court cases, uh, especially over the last 25 years involving law enforcement, and quite often it is on the defense side. In other words, it's against law enforcement. Um, but um, when it when law enforcement does it right, I, I say that too. So just so you know, I don't. I you know, it, it's really funny because sometimes I'll get accused of uh, of uh, you know just batting for one side uh, of the equation. And uh, I can tell you 1000% that is not true. Uh, I look at every incident individually. Hey, Priscilla, nice to see you. Uh, and so, but I, I do uh, um, have the experience of testifying in course, court cases, not only involving narcotics dogs, but use of force. As an expert, I get questioned, I get I get grilled, I get run across the, the coals. <laughs> and uh, and so I know what it's like. And so we know as law enforcement that we, you know, we have um, a a duty to not only protect uh, ourselves, but protect the uh, the public, the community and and protect the suspects and do our best to make sure everybody goes home. That, that is the goal. Uh, maybe the home is a, temporarily a jail <laughs> for the suspects, but we want to make sure that they go to the jail, hopefully without having to go through the hospital first and hopefully not in a body bag. However, uh, much of that is not under our control. Uh, we are responding to calls um, where um, the, the, the people involved are are, are are mostly involved in what happens. They're not involved. They're mostly in um, responsible for what happens. You know, quite often we is put on us as our responsibility as to what happens, uh, you know, in, in regard to the safety of the suspect. But I have to tell you that it is usually the suspects who are responsible for what happens because there's one, they're the ones who make the decision either to cooperate by putting their hands behind their back or um, putting their hands up in the air right away or um, fighting, running, uh, kicking, uh, struggling, 
um, not cooperating, um, arguing, uh, all those things. That, that's in the hands of the suspect. That's not in the hands of the officer. And uh, what you will probably find most common in most of the videos, even in, including the George Floyd videos, is that if you go all the way to the beginning when these incidents are occurring, the officers, I, I would say more than nine times out of 10, I'm not sure what you get, 90, 99.9% of the time are... Uh, you know, pretty good guys when it and women when it comes to the initial contact. It, when it goes wrong, it is again based on the actions of the suspect, regardless of what color they are. Uh, the other thing I'm going to address, I'm, I'm not going to address the issue with color, um, you know, other than right now, uh, because it's non-existent in any of the cases. The, the issue I know that Geraldo Rivera, on uh, when he's on Fox, he lo always loves to bring race into it. We know that, of course, CNN and MSNBC um, and uh, politicians on the left, uh, the Democrats, they always want it to be about race. Um, you you got to understand that a law enforcement officers across the United States handle hundreds of thousands of calls a day, hundreds of thousands of calls a day. And more often, white people are shot than black people. Um, the DOJ has done studies. Um, uh, Harvard, I believe it was, has done a study and uh, has found that more white people are either assaulted or shot uh, by law enforcement. Un unarmed uh, white people are killed by law enforcement than black people. It it's twice as many, even though, um, unfortunately, a large amount of the crime is committed by uh, people of color. But uh, it, when you take and turn that around, you have more officers that shoot uh, unarmed white people than black people. So uh, the, the race in any of the, in all these incidents is not uh, an issue. I, I know that everybody wants it to be. And I know people are going to say, you got to be kidding me. Of course, it's, it's an issue. It's not an issue. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a response to whatever it is that they were doing. And the officers had to take some type of action. Were they always right? No, um, but um, they, they, they can make mistakes. I want to address one more thing before I, I get into the incidents that I'm going to be talking about here. Uh, and that is the um, uh, the obvious, the, the obvious thing in all these cases that we're seeing a lot of in the writing for is that there's a bias by the media. There's a bias by uh, a certain demographic of, uh, of of politicians who hate the police. They hate law and order and they hate you, Americans. They just simply hate you. And so what they are doing right now is to take any incident that they can possibly take and turn it into a race issue and cause us to hate one another. That That is their goal. And so we have to, and of course I didn't jump on, uh, on live and, um, uh, you know, want to talk about the shootings right away because it, it takes time for information to get out. It takes time for some different angles of a video to come out. It takes um, time for uh, the truth to come out, <laughs> quite honestly, because they're going to show you one side of it. And then somehow, somewhere, some of the, the, the actually the truth begins to come out a little bit later on. So they want you to believe something first right off the bat so that they can begin to write and loot and, and cause chaos in these Democratic run cities. And then later on, they go, well, then there's all this other stuff that begins to come out. So you got to understand that there's this 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 knee-jerk reaction there's this desire to make it uh, an issue between uh law enforcement and americans all, are all against black people uh and so they want that to be the first thing that comes out and then later on some of the other stuff after they've caused the chaos after they've caused the uh the turmoil in all these uh, communities after that is when uh they, they could care less whether the truth comes out and we can see things like for instance the um uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th, the, uh, the incident occurred at the Capitol where a unarmed white lady was shot and killed by a police officer, uh, whether it was on purpose, whether it was an accident, 
you know, he, he's not being punished. He's not being, uh, 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 you know, charged with any crimes. It, it is very much like the incident that occurred in um, uh, Brooklyn Village. Brooklyn, is a Brooklyn Village? Hold on, I got it written down here so I don't forget. Uh, Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota, where Officer Kim Potter shot Dante Wright, right? He was actually committing a crime. Right. He was actually a robbery suspect that was wanted, who was not cooperating with officers or pulled away from officers and was shot by accident. Yet she's going to face criminal charges. She was uh, already in court um, uh, getting, uh, uh, you know, accused of of uh, manslaughter, I believe. And yet this other officer who shot an unarmed white woman who was standing outside of a door, not even not not even on the inside of the door and was shot by somebody inside. I think randomly, I think the guy was just shooting into the crowd. Was Did he really intend to shoot a, an unarmed woman? Really? What a pussy uh, this guy is. I mean, it, it, there's all these men and you, you shoot a woman and yet nothing is done with him. There's no charges brought out against him. There's nothing that we don't even know who he is. Really? All right. So before I go any further, hey, Paul, nice to see you. Uh, before I go any further, uh, let me say hi to Priscilla. Hey, Priscilla, nice to see you. Um, uh, I want to hear you say about, oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, Amy, nice to see you. And uh, my buddy, uh, Paul Byers on and, and listening. Unfortunately, there's a lot of videos on this one, Paul. So uh, I'll try to describe them the best that I can. And then those of you that are listening on the podcast too, I am sorry that much of this is going to be visual. So if you want to see the visual part of it and you're listening on the audio podcast, you're going to have to find it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch in order to watch it. All right. So um, one thing I got to put up really quickly uh, before I do anything else. And that is a, um, a banner here or a, uh, an overlay that says warning contents on this show will be graphic viewer discretion advice. I want to make sure that you know that I will be showing um, at least two people getting shot and they eventually will die. One is a 13 year old. I'm not sure how old the other guy is. Uh, he's a, he's a young man also, not very old, uh, but both of these uh, uh, people, the 13 year old and the, uh, the older gentleman will be getting shot and you'll see it on video. Uh, but that's the only way that we can do this. It's the only way it, these will all be taken off, I'm sure. And I'll get suspended and all this stuff that goes along with it. But I mean, I'm ahead of time, uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. I'm telling you, there is going to be graphic um, uh, video that I'm going to be showing you, but we're going to have to talk through it uh, just a little bit so that we can uh, come to an understanding that white police officers aren't out there hunting down black uh, uh, people and trying to, to kill them. None of that has ever been true. Um, again, uh, the DOJ and a number and, a, and a, another university, at least maybe a number of universities have proven that to be a myth and, and simply not true. I was a law enforcement officer 21 years. Um, again, I have trained law enforcement officers for 30 years. I'll show you some video of me training police officers because it, it'll be relevant to uh, telling you what needs to happen and what needs to uh, take place so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. And I will be sharing both the positive and the negative when it comes to law enforcement and especially um, one particular officer, why, um, why, why the incident occurred and why if the left, uh, the Democrats want their way and decide to reimagine law enforcement, why more people are going to get killed and more law enforcement officers get killed. And I'm going to share why that's going to happen. All right. So let's go ahead and get to Chicago. And I, and I'm going to, I want to first go to Chicago because we all know, if you don't know, I'm going to go ahead and put this up here, but in Chicago, um, shootings have, um, increased obviously, and they're in their highest uh, level that they've been in uh, four years, police data shows. Um, and this is from CNN, by the way, just so you know, I try to do my best to have the other side. That way people can accuse me of always uh, referencing something like Fox or 
um, you know, some other uh, mostly uh, right-leaning uh, publication. But CNN reports the number of shootings in Chicago in, in the month of March and the number of shooting victims are at their highest in four years, according to data from the Chicago Police Department. The Sh Chicago Police Monthly Crime Newsletter on, sh on city shootings and crime statistics reported that the increase in both the number of shootings and the number of shooting victims. So they're getting they're, they're getting training, obviously, and they're becoming better shots in March compared to the same month in the previous three years. So if we're to 2021, we're only in in April. We're only in April, April 15th, 16th, April 16th uh, for 2021. There were 233 shoot. This is a city. We're not talking about a state or a, a portion of the country. We're talking about a city in a city for 2021. There was 233 shooting incidents and 298 shooting victims. 233 shooting incidents and 298 victims. In other words, there's a number of people, uh, they got sh more than one person got shot in quite a few of these different shooting um, uh, incidents. And uh, in March of 2020, there were 146 shootings and 175 victims. All right, so why do I share that with you? I share that with you because um, it's in, it's in uh, hold on. If I get rid of that, there we go. All right, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm, I'm going to do this. I have a lot of magic I'm going to try to pull off here. Um, and so if uh, if I'm busy looking at down the screen for a second, just I apologize. That's what I have to do. All right, so the reason I share that with you is because if you're a police officer on duty in Chicago, you know that you're probably going to end up being at least one or two shootings a night. Now, in Anaheim Police Department, we would have one or two shootings maybe a month. Maybe. And I'm trying to remember exactly. It, it was somewhere around there, usually on the weekend. Right. Um, quite often, they, you know, quite often they'd be on the weekend. But on occasion, you'd get a midweek shooting just for fun. Uh, but more often than not, you'd, you'd get a shooting. And now you as you as an officer working a beat. So if I was working, say, uh, you know, in canine, I went to all the shootings. So when I was a police canine handler, we went to all the shootings. We went to all the in progress calls. But as a patrol officer, like the officers that are all on these incidents, I'm telling you, they worked a beat. Right. So whatever beat they're working in, um, they would either be a primary in a shooting or a backup in a shooting or maybe a secondary backup or third. Right. And so you'd respond after a primary officer would get dispatched. But that would be just in your area. Typically, uh, unless it's a pretty unless it's a really large situation where there's lots of victims and there's a lot going on. And then a number of officers like five, six, seven at a time would all go to one scene. But you just got to remember that you have in Chicago right now, you have a high level, right? The highest level in four years, it says here, uh, according to the newspaper and according to the police, in four years. So every night you're going out, you're making sure you have your vest on, you're making sure that you have your guns working, you make sure it's clean, and you make sure that everything's operating because you have a strong um, suspicion that you will be responding to a shooting or be involved in a shooting because you're going to be right around the corner, possibly, depending on what area you're working. Some officers are working in areas that are highly likely to be involved in the shootings, and some officers are, are working in areas that aren't that likely to get in shooting. So in Anaheim, if you work downtown Anaheim or the south end of Anaheim or even the West End of Anaheim, you know, there's a good chance you may be involved in some type of shooting or some type of aggravated assault. And then in the East End, where Anaheim Hills is, where uh, higher um, income people live, 
the, the, the chance of being a shooting was pretty slim. Although there were shootings, it would be like once a year or once every six months. So you see what I'm saying? So depending where you're at, you can be involved in a, in a shooting all the time. So I would like to use the work, the downtown areas a lot when I was in canine, because you, I always wanted to use my dog to do something. So we would be primarily in all those shooting areas or possible areas where there's a shooting. And so I hire um, uh, activity. Why am I sharing this all to you? Because really you got to understand that you have the mindset of the officer who knows that they're in these areas and they are on guard and they're waiting and they're ready and they're and they're thinking about what it is they're going to do when they go to a shooting, where they're going to go, where they're going to park and where they're going to go on foot. Um, um, are they going to have their gun out as they're coming out of the vehicle? Are they waiting the other vehicle to find a place to get their gun out? And so all these things are going on the head, right? So let's say a call comes out and I'm going to go to some comments here really quick. Um, uh, Paul, uh, Paul and his wife are listening. Uh, ma yeah, magic, all kinds of magic going on here. So I just want, I have a list of things here. So you, uh, when you get a call, you have what comes out on the call info. So in a shooting, obviously, if it's a, a shooting call, you're going to say, uh, you know, uh, 33, uh, 333 and 343 respond to a shooting that's occurring at Maine and uh, Central. And uh, one victim down, two shooters or one shooter uh, last seen running into the neighborhood, northbound over some fences. And then you begin to respond. You start driving. You turn your lights on quite possibly. Sometimes you don't. Depends on what your uh, strategy is for entering into the area, whether you want to chase them off or let them know you're coming or not let them know you're coming. All right. Then as you're driving there, you're going to get more information. Some of this dispatch will come on or another officer will say, hey, I just heard somebody say that there's more shooting occurring over at this area. Um, or you'll get somebody saying, hey, somebody just heard somebody running through their backyard. Somebody will say, hey, I just saw this, some guy running down the alley and he has a gun in his hand. And so as you're, you get the call, you have developing information. Uh, uh, the other thing you need to be concerned about, what time of day is it? Right. And so as you're driving there and why I put this up and this is important that you, you know, there's a shooting, you know, that there's people down, you know, that somebody's running in an alley with a gun or what have you. And now you're, you know, if it's like, say, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, school's getting out. So now you're going, shoot, there's going to be kids running around. Kids are going to be out of school. They're going to be in this area. If it's in a residential area, if it's a commercial area, you know, people are at work. There's all kinds of people around. If it's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, you know that most people are in their houses. And so you want to understand what are the surroundings? What's happening? I'm setting a, the stage for you to let you know that there is a lot of thinking process going on. The news media wants you to believe that these officers are just showing up willy nilly and going, hey, hey you know what? I thought I would shoot you today. <laughs> I, I I thought, you know what? I didn't have anything else to do. So I thought, you know what? There's a black guy. I'm going to shoot him. Now, these are all the things that are going on as they are going responding to the scene. And they're trying to figure out what it is. None of this has to do with race other than a description. But that's how, how do you else going to describe somebody? They're either going to be Hispanic. They're going to be white. They're going to be black. They're going to be Asian. You know, they may be some other things in there, but I'm just going to tell you right now that's either white, black, um, uh, Mexican or Asian. Okay. And so you're going to get one of those descriptions. That doesn't make it racist. That doesn't make it a race crime. That doesn't make it a race, uh, racially um, uh, motivated uh, shooting. It's just, that's who the person happens to be. So time of day, developing information, call, uh, call is going to be one of those things that you're thinking about as you're driving there. You're developing, your mind is busy. You're also driving as quickly as you can. You're trying to avoid, you know, crashing into somebody. You're usually at a high rate of speed trying to get there before more people die because you're going there to save life, not to take life. You're going there to save lives, not take lives. That's your whole intent of getting there quickly and being there is to save lives. If you, I just need you to understand that. All right. So then you get to the scene. What's happening at the scene? Are people running around? 
If it's late at night, where is everybody? Where's the lighting? Where's the cover? As you're driving up to the scene, you're getting ready out of your car. The first thing you're looking at as an officer is not only looking for the suspect, but you're looking for places of cover, looking for trees. You're looking for cars. You're looking for brick walls, you're looking for all kinds of things. So as you're walking out, uh, I should have brought a gun. Um, darn, I have my guns over on, on the other side of the wall here. So if I had my gun out and I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for the suspect, but I'm also looking for where I can go from my car to a tree, to a wall, to another car. Why? Because you don't want to be walking down the middle of the street saying, shoot me, I'm here. And so you're looking for these things. you got your flashlight, you're looking around, and then suddenly you see the suspect that's described running out, right? After all this that you have coming up, right? You see, you have all these things. Now, there's probably more. Um, there's some um, other things that may have been going on in your life. Maybe you got in a fight with a wife. Maybe you got in a fight with one of your kids. Maybe one of your kids got arrested before you came to work. You know, who knows? Maybe you got in a fight with your supervisor. Maybe you got in trouble uh, for something. Somebody, uh, you know, beefed you for not being nice on a car stop. You got all this other stuff going on, right? But here you got that. Now you got to forget all that and now concentrate on this. Am I making excuses for cops? No, I'm just letting you know what happens in real life. Not like what uh, CBS or CNN or MSNBC or any of the others want you to think that these cops are just, you know what? I just have nothing else to do but to go there and shoot somebody, right? Uh, the cops have also probably answered, you know, 20 calls before this one or 10 calls, depending on the time of day. And they've gone from call to call to call, solving everybody else's problems and then coming to this call. So then you get there, then you see the suspect's actions. You say, stop police, you're pointing your gun, pointing your flashlight, and they fail to stop and they begin to run, all right? So you've had all this information, you know your suspect is armed, They've, you've been told that he's armed. You have, uh, you've been told that he's already shot at somebody or there's been gunshots. You may not understand exactly if your guy is shot because it could have been a gun battle between two people, but you know that somebody's been shooting. And so you know that the, the quite the, 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 it's quite possible that somebody may be shot. So let's go ahead and go to this very first video because I've hopefully I've set you up. This is everything that's kind of happened. There may have been some other stuff that I don't know is that you have shots fired, man armed and dangerous running and and all these other things. This is the only thing, you know, the only thing, you know, um, I'm going to say something really quick. I want to say something about a 13 year old. Um, I, I just was uh, dropping my son off uh, with a buddy of his who's 14. Um, and I think since he's been 12, he's been he's bigger than I am. Right. So just because somebody's 13 doesn't mean that when you get there and he's running in the darkness at three o'clock in the morning uh, in his whatever clothing he's wearing, all covered up. You're going to uh, actually understand and see that he's 13. Right. We don't want to shoot 13 year olds. We don't go out there looking for young people to shoot. All we're told is we have a man with a gun, shots fired and he's in the area. And when I when you get there, you see him running, running and he has a gun in his hand. The guy has a gun in his hand while he's running down the alley. All right, so let's take a look at this video really quick. And uh, and I'm gonna, okay, I'm telling, let me put this back up one more time. All right, I just need to do this because uh, again, I at least want to stay on long enough to be able to tell you all this stuff. So here's a warning. What I'm about to show you is graphic. You're gonna see somebody, a 13 year old boy get shot and he's gonna eventually die. All right, I just want you to know that. All right, here we go. So here's the video. All right, getting an ambulance up here now. Now! Hey, show me your stop it, stop it. All right, how fast did that happen? <clears throat> so fast. I'm giving you time to think about that because I want you to see what happened, how quick that was. That was seconds, 
right? He got out of his car. I don't know how long he'd been running, but where we pick it up from his body cam is that he's running after a guy in an alley, two or three o'clock in the morning. The guy, he can see the kid has a gun in his hand. He can see he has a gun in his hand. He runs and the guy, the guy get, gets to that gate and he's, he leans up against the gate and he turns around. And right at the moment he turns around, the last thing he saw was a gun in his hand. The next thing he sees is him turning around and he shoots at him. All right. What you've been told is the shot a kid with his hands up in the air. I'm going to show you what the officer saw when he shot the kid. He didn't shoot the kid when his hands were in the air. He shot the kid as he was turning around. And then when he got shot, his hands went up in the air. Um, and so let's look at this one, this first video one more time. You see these videos a lot. So again, I, I have to apologize. You're going to see these uh, videos quite often and they're not easy to see. I understand that if you're watching on your phone, it's probably hard to see, but I just want you to see one more time uh, what this looks like. Again, I'm just going to let you know that I look at these cases all the time. I'm asked to look at all kinds of use of force cases and um, this isn't something that I take lightly and I do have to watch these videos all the time. Mostly it's dogs, police dogs chasing down a bad guy and biting them. Um, and but in this case, it happens to be a shooting. So here we go. One more time. Okay, right, here we go. Show me your f stop it. Stop it. Shots fired. Shots fired. Get an ambulance up here now. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Of what you see when you're running after somebody that late at night, that's dark. You got street lights. You got your flashlight. That blinking light is from his flashlight on his gun. Um, and then the guy quickly turns around. Again, the last thing, uh, the thing that he sees before he turns around is the gun in their kid's right hand. And then as the kid turns around, I actually have the graphic and I didn't put it up here. Let me see if I can do that while I'm talking to you. Um, and um, and then he, then he shoots the kid. The uh, again, the media wants you to believe that he had his hands up when he was shot, uh, which is not the case. I wonder why this is not, it's not gonna let me put this picture up. Oh my gosh, so sorry. You'll, you'll see pictures online. I'll try to find it before I get off uh, here. Uh, but the, the the gun, you can see they freeze the frame of, of, of his camera, right? And the kid has a gun in his right hand. And then as he's there with his left shoulder up against this wall, what he's doing is he's turning and he's throwing the gun, what it looks like, because the gun is about 10 feet, I guess, where he's standing. And then as he's turning around, that's when he gets shot. How in the world is the officer supposed to see that when he sees the gun here? So if, if you're if you're my back is to you and you see the gun in my hand, and, and I'm and I'm turning around like this, and then now how do how do you know that I've tossed the gun if you cannot see behind that wall? You can't. It's impossible. You're asking these officers to be clairvoyant. You're asking them to wait and wait until they get shot and killed before you shoot before they shoot and you can't ask them to do that. All right, so let me show you now, I'm gonna show you something from uh, CBS News, I believe it is, it, it says CBS on this thing. And what the video they're showing you is what they want you to think. They want you to think that the the suspect got shot with his hands up. So the very first, there's two videos that you're gonna see here. One is gonna be the CBS video, and then it's, again, it's gonna be the video I just showed you. I want you to look at the two different videos. What the news wants you to think, again, is that he got shot when his hands are up. So what they did is they edited a little bit of the video. Now they only took maybe like a, a a quarter of a second out. That's all you need um, to edit the video enough so that when you take a half a second out, it looks like his hands are up when he got shot. 
when you look at the video that I just showed you, you hear the gunshot as he's turning around and his hands are like this. And then he gets shot and then his hands get up. Or you hear the gunshot and then his hands go up. Yeah, that may not be that big of a deal. And you're looking, you may be looking at me and saying, well, see, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to side for the cop. I'm trying to show you exactly what happened. I'm trying to tell you what the what the news media wants you to believe and the liberals want you to believe in and the 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 nitwit in, in Minnesota, whatever her name is. I always forget it, Tahini, whatever her name is. You know, and dismantling that that law enforcement is racist, that 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 law enforcement is broken, that you can no longer incarcerate people, that you can no longer have any military, that she's off a rocker. And she's trying to use these videos and they're editing videos. We, we know that they're editing videos. They edited the video from uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, uh, for the 60 Minutes. The news media is hates America and they hate you. And they're editing the video so that you uh, no longer have law enforcement in your community. They don't they do not want you to have law enforcement in your community. All right. So here here I'm going to uh, want you to watch the video that CBS is showing. And then I'll show then following that, it'll show the video that I just showed you. That way you can have a comparison. All right, here we go. Stop! Stop right now! Hey, show me your stop it! Stop it! That's the actual video. It see how it freezes at the gunshot. Now here is the gun. This is real the real video. See where his hands are? I I froze it. The, the CBS did. I froze it. Do you see that? And so right when he turns around is when the the shot is fired, and then he goes down. Here we go. Let's do this one more time so you can see it. One more time. This is CBS. This is what CBS wants you to think happened. That's their their edit. They stopped it with the hands up. And they they moved the gunshot so it sounds like it went off when it's hands up. Here, just before I stop it, you can hear the beginning of the gunshot. That's when you hear the gunshot to start. His hands aren't up yet. And that's the finish of the gunshot, the echo. So what you're hearing is the echo. Shot the shot echo shot is when his hands are all the way up. The shot goes off when he turns around with his hands. Again, the officer, before he turned around, saw the gun in his hand. When he came around, his hands were empty. But the officer could not possibly know that the hand was going to be up. All he saw was him turning. He didn't see that he was tossing the gun. Oops, sorry. I forgot my video wasn't he didn't he, the uh, he saw again this is the back view as I'm running with a gun in my hand so this is a gun that I have in my hand and I'm running and you're seeing it and then it turns around and he do, and he does one of these right there's no way the officer would have known that he was not coming around with that gun in his hand there's it's impossible and but the media doesn't want you to, to know that um hey there my love nice to see you well, I, I can't see you I see your thing uh a kid uh who was shooting at cars from his front porch oh i hit behind a car bumper oh yeah okay now i got it sorry <laughs> control the situation exactly i hit behind the car bumper yep um it was a good shot sucks that it it, it was a black actually it was a mexican uh 13 year old uh from what i understand he, i think he was dark skin hispanic but he was a hispanic uh, but they can shoot just like an, absolutely. Uh, we, we know that 13 year olds, 15 year old, four, I mean, we had a 13 and 14 year old girl, 13 and 15 year old girl. They killed a man in Washington, DC, right? We do that as officers that, you know what? We can't, we, we will try not to shoot young people. If we can young teens that aren't 18, anybody under 18, we try to avoid any kind of physical, any kind of shooting, uh, punching them in the face. We try not to do that, but we know they are. I I've met again, my, my, uh, my son's friend is bigger than I am. He's 14. 
Um, and uh, if I was chasing him down a dark alley, I would I would shoot him too if he turned around with a gun because uh, and and I, I would you know as somebody the size of my son who's who's fourteen and not as tall as him, I would shoot him too if he had a gun and was turning around to try to. And we know again, you have to take in all of the information. Right. It's not it's not like you, you you were driving down the alley and suddenly see this kid running down. He has something in his hand. The call was shooting in the area, man with a gun. You get there, you see a man with a gun, which you think is a man with a gun because he's probably he's big enough to be a man. And then you're chasing him. He turns around and you have to save your life and save the, the other people's lives. You don't want him to get away to take. Like, he's getting ready to run into a backyard or getting ready to run into a residential area. You know, if you don't take him out, he could. Get out, get get away from you, and take uh, hostages inside somebody's houses. There's a lot more going on with this thing. All right, one more view I want to give you, and that's a side by side view. I did these edits before I went live on these videos. Hopefully, they make sense. They're hard to see, I understand, but that you got that's the officers having the same trouble. I would venture to say that the camera is capturing more light than what's available for the officers when he's running down the alley. These cameras, the camera that I'm showing you right now, it's grabbing more light. Uh, because of the the way that it's created, right? That they capture light so you can see more. Our eyes are not necessarily made that same way. And so I want you to understand too that the lighting you're seeing is probably better when, than what the officer is able to see with his, with his naked eye. These cameras are fantastic. Uh, I've taken pictures, uh, Hetty and I have, been, uh, have taken pictures and it, it, it seems pitch blackout. And Hetty goes, wow, how'd you get such a good picture? It's this way the cameras are made, right? That they are made to pick it to, to, um, uh, to be able to take in more light than what it is that we can possibly see. So understand that also the lighting that you're seeing is probably better because the camera, uh, the way it's manufactured and, and not as good as our eyes. All right. So here we go. So here's a side by side uh, look at the same incident. You got the CBS video on the left and you got the actual video from the, the camera on the right. So let's take a look at this and you'll see what uh, what CBS also does. They shrunk it down just a little bit. So you they made it very difficult to see everything that's going on. So here we go. So you see how quick that is, right? It, it, it's a guy turns around and falls, right? But CBS freezes it on the hands up. So that the last image that you see as a viewer, as, as, uh, as many nitwits as they could possibly get to believe, oh, look at his hands are up. All they see, the last thing they see is his hands up. The last thing they see is his hands up. When you do that, you're creating a story, you're creating a narrative, you're creating a picture in people's eyes that that's the thing they see and they go out and begin to protest and they go, um, you know, whatever they're saying, whatever their chant is, uh, don't shoot, hands up, don't, or hands up, don't, whatever. And this, you probably should say hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot, because that's the picture that CBS has given them. Right. And you can take a screenshot. You can show, look at this guy's hands are up when he got shot. Look at, and then you can, you know, send it all to your friends. Look at his hands are up when he got shot. No, play the video in its, in its entirety uh, and in full speed. And you can see the same thing. So here one more time in this incident here. The last thing I want you to take note of is how concerned the officer is after he shoots him. He goes, he calls for ambulance right away. He tries to get the guy to talk um, and he does everything he can to care for the kid after he shot him. It's not like he shot him in cold blood and said, you sucker and kicked him. No, he, he stopped and he, he tried to give first aid to the kid. It didn't matter because the, the, the kid, um, uh, you know, passed away. Um, 
But again, they're, they're wanting to create a narrative that, that cops are inherently horrible, miserable people, and they're out there hunting people down. All right. So I hope that that particular, the, all of this that I gave you uh, makes sense. And um, it illustrates the what, what the truth is. That, and again, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to prosecute this, this cop? They're going to try, right? They're going to burn down the city uh, because of this incident in, in Chicago. Um, and they are, they're already doing that with this next video set of videos I'm going to show you. Let me go ahead and take these off the screen so they do not distract me. Uh, remove that one and remove that one and remove that. All right. So uh, I hope that, again, I just want to make sure that you have a bunch of stuff that's happening on the way to the call. you got a continuation of the crime when the officer arrives. He gets out of his car. He sees the suspect with the gun in his hand. He's running down the alley. It's dark. He's running. Again, the lighting is probably worse for his eyes than it is for the camera view. Uh, the kid has the gun in his hand. He sees it. As the kid's turning around, the officer believes that when he comes around, he's going to have the gun in his hand. He's got to shoot to protect himself. And uh, so the kid doesn't get away and get into the residential area and possibly hurt somebody else. Clean shooting. It's just the way that it is. Unfortunately, it turned out the kid is 13. They also want to tell you that the kid was um, uh, educationally, uh, no, what's the word I'm looking at? Mentally um, uh, handicapped in, of, of some in some way. We, we don't do an evaluation. We're not like with a pen and paper and saying, okay, uh, can you tell me your name? Can you tell me if you have any learning disorders? Can you tell, right? None of that is happening. Shooting just occurred, shots fired, um, man running, description, he's carrying a gun. You see the, the, the described suspect carrying a gun. You're chasing down the alley. He turns and you have to shoot him. Geraldo revealed is that, well, the kid was mental. I don't, what, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with the shooting? I didn't know that before I shot him. We know that now, but we didn't know that at the time. All right. So all that stuff also came out. Just want to make sure that that's clear. All right. Uh, Chris says here, clear fundamental hypnosis tactics. Leave the sus the subject with the image of the narrative to be heard and seen. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Uh, the 13-year-old was a gang member, Latin Kings. That's right. And his name was Lil Homicide. Uh, that's a, well, <laughs> Oh, so bad as 13 guys, I would have something to say about that. Yeah, media hypnosis. Oops, sorry. Media hypnosis. Absolutely. All right. So now let's go to this other subject, this other shooting that occurred. And we've seen it uh, again. They're writing in, um, oh, the town of uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Um, uh, so the suspect is Dante Wright and the officer is Kim Potter, who's already been in court. That's <laughs> just crazy. This is crazy. Um, um, there's a car stop. There's an officer uh, handling it. Now, this is the kind of one I may be telling you some stuff that you don't want to hear, uh, but I have to be brutally honest with you on some of these things just so that we, um, you know, uh, understand everything. I, I bring these things up in court too. What I'm about to bring up in court or what I'm about to bring up to you, I have brought up in court several times. Um, and let me show you the video first, and then we'll we'll talk about what happened. So here's the video in case you haven't seen it. Again, you're going to see somebody get shot. So I'm going to put this up one more time to make sure that nobody misses it, because some people join in in the middle of a of a show. And it's a warning. The contents I'm about to show you uh, will be graphic, viewer discretion advised. Somebody's going to be shot, and, and they are going to die from that shooting. All right. So here is the video uh, of the incident, at least the video that I, I've edited from to keep it shorter, or else the show would be very, very long. All right, here we go. So there's a suspect who's being getting ready to be handcuffed by this officer. I don't know what he's fiddling with and uh, why he's taking so long. To, I, he, yeah, this is not, it's not good. She's coming in to grab his arm. 
and then she grabs a piece of paper, and then the guy gets away, and he gets into the car, and he's trying to put it in the drive. Okay, so you see the whole thing there. So there's a whole bunch of things going on here, and uh, none of them are really good on the officer's side. None of it, I think, is necessarily manslaughter. What we have is two officers that are just crappy at their job. That's what I'm going to tell you that you probably don't want to hear because it's uh, you got to we got to be brutally honest. Um, every Every car stop should be handled in a way that keeps everybody safe, that keeps you from having to shoot somebody, that keeps you from having to tackle somebody and punch them in the back of the head or drive their face to the ground um, or, uh, or shoot them, right? Or give them an elbow to the side of the face. You know, every time you handle a call, your job is to handle it in a way where you have a, um, a, uh, a level of advantage against that person so that they feel that you have that advantage. If you have this advantage, whether it's a, a uh, Hedy and I were talking about this the other day on the devotional, a command presence. If your command presence is such that if that person believes that if he makes a move or she makes a move, that bad things are gonna happen and you've, and you've, you've shown them through the way that you're handling the call, the positioning you're putting them in, uh, the demands and commands that you're giving them and the way that you're standing and everything you're doing, that will keep you from having to punch somebody in the face. It'll keep you from having to shoot somebody or tackling them and choking them out. The way you handle the call is going to lead to a, a good ending. So um, if I could take this whiteboard here and I'm going to draw a car. And here's the door. No, this, this isn't this isn't too uh, scale. <laughs> All right. So this is the, the hood. This is the the. the you know, let's just say that that's the way it is, right? Um, and you you get your suspect you get your suspect out, right? So that your suspect is here, right? And then you have your you, 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 this is where you have it. All right. So police police tactics police um, uh, uh, handling of a situation like this one oh one is especially if you think that you're if you're going to go hands-on or you think that the person you're going to contact may be going to jail or being handcuffed or being whatever right you're going to be running him because of what they what they found out is that he had a warrant out for his arrest the thing you don't do is get on the radio and say um i want to run um you know dante what's his name again dante hold on one second Where's my screen? I want to make sure I get this kid's name right. Uh, Dante Wright. I'm running uh, Dante Wright, last name of Wright, uh, William, uh, uh, William, uh, whatever it is, India Golf uh, Hotel Tango. Oh, India. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot the, forgot the uh, Oh, Romeo. Uh, William uh, Romeo India Golf Hotel Tango. Sorry, I forgot my phonetic alphabet there for a second. Um, and you're waiting for, you're running for warrants. If you're running somebody from warrants, you don't have them here next to the open door. That it's 101 law enforcement tactics. It, it, it really was like the first I go, what are they doing They're right next to the open car door? You don't you don't know. You have not searched the inside of this car. You don't know if there's a gun. You don't know if there's a knife. You may not even know if there's somebody else and they're hiding in the back seat. You don't know. You take the suspect and you get them at least here, if not back here where the other where the patrol cars are. If there's another patrol car, you get the guy over here next to this patrol car. 
You don't have him next to his open door because that is an avenue of escape. It's the closest avenue of escape. Who doesn't know that in law enforcement across the United States? Uh, I'm going to tell you that uh, on the West Coast in California, and this isn't a an ego thing or anything like that, but you have specific cities that are trained much better than other cities. Now, this is in this Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota. That who knows? I don't know. You had two cops there that didn't get this guy away from the open door. That is a huge problem. That is a huge mistake. I don't, I don't know why they made that mistake. That again, that is not good sound tactics. Are they liable criminally for doing that? I don't think so. I don't think that uh, what's her name, um, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Potter, uh, Officer Potter, can be held criminally for doing something that she was trained or not trained to do properly. Right? Who who's responsible for that? The, the sergeant, the lieutenant, um, right? The captain, the, the chief, the training uh, supervisor who makes sure that they are trained properly. Is it the academy? Where did this start? Where did they not get this instruction not to be patting somebody down that they ran for warrants? And you hear on the video, I think, where she says, you have a warrant out for your arrest. And they say, you have a warrant. And the guy gets into his car. Um, I'm going to tell you a story that um, I... Um, with a female officer, this is going to be a little bad on female officers, and I'm sorry, uh, and I'm not misogynistic. I don't hate women. I don't hate necessarily women in law enforcement um, because there's um, plenty of police officers that are men that shouldn't be in law enforcement. But uh, I had a call where I was coming up to uh, to assist an officer who had stopped a man. Actually, he was he was like sleeping behind some building back when you used to get rid of uh, transients sleeping behind buildings back when that used to happen. And so somebody called and said, hey, there's somebody sleeping behind my building. I need you to come in and. And check him out and see if you can get him to move on. She gets there. She has him out of the car. And before I got there, she was running for warrants. And she had done the same thing. She had him like standing like right around here. Same thing right by this, right by this car door. She was standing somewhere like way over here. <laughs> and then I arrive and I'm getting out of the car. And as I'm getting out of the car here, I'm about right here with the guy. And um, she tells me over here, she says, um, he has a, a 245 worn out for his arrest. 245 is aggravated assault. <laughs> she tells me that I'm here. And what does the guy do? He runs to try to get into his car. And I, and I looked at her, I go, what are you doing? Why did you do that? And as I'm running past her and she was stood still and did nothing, I had to tackle the guy and I'm having him around the waist. And I'm trying to pull him out of his car because he has his hands inside of his car. Again, he's living in his car. Who knows what's in there? I can't get him back and she's not helping me. I got to pop my police, uh, my police dog out of his car. He comes out of the car and my dog comes and help me because she is in, in a panic, doesn't know what to do. She's never been involved in a hand-to-hand -hand combat where you're wrestling somebody and you're and you're you're fighting for your life. She doesn't know what to do. She there never even came up and helped me out. My police dog came and helped me out, and together my dog and I got him in handcuffs and arrested him because of the pain of the, my dog's biting on his on his ass and pulled him out of the car while she stood there uh, asking for backup on the radio, not helping whatsoever. All right, so you don't do this. The moment she's told me that he has, a, I, I saw where he was. I said, what are you doing? And, um, and so there you go. So that's the first thing. The next thing, let me come back to this uh, video here. Let's watch it one more time. I'm just going to show you really quick uh, one more thing before we take off. Is that when you're asked to come in and help um, uh, somebody get handcuffed, I'm going to try to stop it and start it here just a little bit. And she's approaching. So apparently at some point she realizes, I don't know. <laughs> Again, he's trying to begin the process of searching him and he's got his handcuffs out. And they look how close that guy is to that car door. 
And here she comes with her hand. Now, see how she grabs the guy? That is not a position of advantage with that right hand. There's no way that she can control that guy with his with her right hand. There's no way. It is impossible to control that guy. They're both leaning away from the open door. You can see that the officer, the primary officer, has turned to his right. And she has a hand just kind of on his elbow. And I'm sure I'm not even sure that she's even squeezing. And then he's reaching with his other hand. He's reaching with his right hand. I don't know, doing something, maybe giving her uh, knuckles or something. Uh, and then she begins to go in. Now, she went in. I thought originally she was going in for some time of uh, arm hold. But she she goes in with empty hand and comes out with some piece of paper. So you see that piece of paper in her hand? Now, I want you to see something. When you... Are understand? Uh, actually, let me let me just let you watch this. Watch that piece of paper in her hand, and I want you to sh tell me when she gets rid of that piece of paper. There he's pulling away. He's trying to you. You, get, you continue to see that paper in her hand. Yeah, paper. The paper still in her hand. After she shoots him, the paper still in her hand. She never dropped that piece of paper. Oh, wow. Yes. She dropped. Look at, oh, my God. Sorry. One more thing. Hold on. Man. You see right here? She dropped her gun. She doesn't have her gun in her hand any longer. But do you see what she has in her left hand? That piece of paper. She never dropped that piece of paper. Oh, wow. And see her right hand to the right. You can see it above the, uh, the black officer's head right there. You see her right hand is empty. That's the hand she had her handgun in. Why is that important? It's important. Because it tells you why she didn't pull out her taser. The taser's on her left side of her of her gun belt, right? She pulled out her gun because her left hand had something in it. In, in the academy, all the way back to the academy, you're taught never hold anything in your gun hand. Never hold anything in your gun hand. All the way through. If you're ever caught walking with something in your gun hand from, uh, you know, say from out in, you know, doing some type of uh, exercise out there on the uh, asphalt and as you're walking back to the classroom, if you're uh, in the academy, if they catch you walking with something in your right hand, if you're a right handed uh, shooter, um, you will have to get down at that moment and do push ups. And then they will remind you never have anything in your gun hand. If you if they catch you more than a couple of times, then you get more discipline and more discipline, more discipline. Why? Because you will not think fast enough to drop that thing in your gun hand to reach for your weapon. It'll slow you down. It'll keep you from drawing your weapon in a timely manner to be able to save your life or save the life of somebody else. And so they tell you all the time, do not carry stuff in your gun hand because it throws you off. And so I had to watch that video several times to see that she had the paper in her left hand, which is the hand for her taser. Or if she wants to cross draw, she could come around. But do you see what happens when you get in a panic? Now, why did she get in a panic? Uh, my theory on why she got in a panic, even though she was a police officer for 26 years, is that she's not had uh, probably ever been put in a stressful situation where she had to make these decisions. I'm, I'm venturing to say that the training was not stressful enough for her to understand how to operate in those kinds of situations. It is a completely different mindset to operate when you're under that kind of stress where you have somebody that's actively fighting you, trying to get into a car, trying to leave, and you're thinking, I got these tools and I want to use the taser. And she thought she had the taser, but she had the paper in her hand instead, or she didn't cross draw, she grabbed the, the weapon instead. It's because her mind went mush and she, because she's never been put in that position before and she's never been trained 
through training that has caused high enough stress level for her to be able to operate under that kind of stress. It's just, she's never been there. And I, and I hear people out there, well, she's had 26 years. It doesn't matter. Um, I've trained police officers for uh, something like 30 years and I put officers in a bunch of different situations. And I've had officers with plenty of years of service freeze on me in a training scenario, in a training scenario. Um, I had a, a sergeant, uh, and I'm going to use my whiteboard here one more time. I just want to share this exercise with you that I do. This is an important exercise. So I, I'd be called. I think this one uh, that I'm going to share with you was in Wisconsin. Where's my, I had my blue pen oh, right in front of me. All right. Um, is that there would be a building right here, right? And maybe there'd be a, a series of buildings. And then down here, I'd have an actor. I'm just going to put another stick man. And he'd have a gun in his hand. So he, uh, let's make this a gun. There we go. So he's got a gun in his hand, but he's behind the building. It's dark. It's like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. Um, I try not to have hardly any lighting. So I want this to be as dark as possible. All right. I, I'm over here running this scenario. And a canine handler will come up to me. And will. Uh, that's when the scenario begins. And when he comes to this, this position here. Sorry, the mic's in the way. Well, it's okay. I don't think it's going to bother you. Um, so he, he approaches over here. So he's got he's got him, and he's got his dog. There, that's a dog. All right, so he's got his dog. Or I got to put the nose on the dog. So, <laughs> so him and his dog are here, and he's got the dog on leash, right? And I tell him, I said, okay, um, your 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 back your primary officer is over here. So there'd be another actor over here. So this is a police officer. This is the primary officer. So I would tell him, go meet your primary officer over there. He's, he arrived at a burglary alarm. When he got here, he saw broken glass uh, uh, on this window. So there's broken glass. And he took cover right here on the corner of the building. And he's waiting for you so that you can begin to search the rest of the building. So this canine handler with his dog goes over here to meet this officer. When he goes to meet this officer, this primary officer comes out here and points. So he comes over here and he says, hey, I saw a guy down here. When he gets over here... He gets shot. This, this gunshot goes up and he shoots him with a, with a blank. It's the loudest blank we can find so that there's no there's no question what happened. This this officer goes down out there in the middle of the alley and he's screaming that he's been shot, that he's going to die. Please save me. I don't want to die. Uh, I have children. Please don't let me die. And I have the actor scream as loud as he possibly can as if he is actually is dying. And so now this officer with his dog, who's not here now, has to figure out what is he going to do? Is he going to leave this point of cover? But if he does, well, if he takes his dog with him, the dog's going to bite the officer who's on the ground who's just been shot. That It's almost a guarantee. It happens every time, right? And so he knows that the handlers know their dog and they know that they can't take their dog because the dog will bite the actor who's on the ground, right? And so he see they, they sometimes will freeze at this corner. They don't know what to do. Sometimes they've tried to make their dog stay in it down and they go to rescue him. What happens as soon as they make uh, contact with that officer, the dog gets up and bites him anyway. And so they have to figure out what to do. So I'm just going to shorten this up. It's chaos here. The, the handler doesn't know what to do with his dog. He doesn't know what to do with the situation. And the, again, the, the gunshot you heard, it, he hears is very loud. I have had officers that have had 20 years, 15 years, uh, 10 years. I've done this scenario probably two or 300 times. I've had officers that completely freeze and tell me, I don't know what to do. I can't solve this situation. So I'm only telling you that because that's a training scenario where I have officers freeze and they don't know what to do. And they fail miserably. They either bite the guy on the ground over and over and over again and can't get the dog to let go. 
or they just say, I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't solve this problem. And they give up. And I say, you can't give up. The guy's bleeding to death. You need to do something. And they go, I don't know what to do. I've never done anything like this. That's a true statement. That is what I've heard probably more than once, maybe two or three times. I've heard somebody say, I don't know what to do. I've never done anything like this. And they panic. And so that's how I know that this officer, this female officer who's 26 years old, quite possibly there's one, there's a couple things happening here. Because I also see the primary officer didn't do the right thing either. He didn't put the guy in a, in a position to not have to shoot him, to not have to punch him, to, to not have to wrestle with him. You should have put that suspect in a position where he was not going to be able to do what he what what he did. That's how you keep these things from happening. You put the suspect in a position where he goes, all right, I can't. There's nowhere I can go. There's nothing I can do. I'm not going to fight. You have to help the suspect help himself. In this case, they left him too close to the door. And he thought, wow, I'm so close. These cops are stupid. And. That now he gets shot and killed. Why? Because the officers allowed him to do so. They didn't protect the hand, the suspect from himself. So you got that. But the other officer, she panicked. Kelly, come here. So here's my son, Kelly. Say hi. So you got Kelly. So as she's coming, I'm, we're on. We're on a different angle. But go ahead and, and if you're up against this car, put your head against the car. And I'm going to come up here and grab. And I go. And I just kind of touch lightly. As soon as I touch and he moves, she's gone. I don't have enough hand grip. To just do it again. To, 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 he just pulls away so easily. You can see in the video, that's what he, what she did. She just lightly touched him. As soon as you touch somebody, that's the signal for them to fight. Right? Sometimes what we'll do is we'll go like this to touch somebody to see if they're going to fight right away. You just kind of touch them and see if they're going to go. So if you come in and that primary officer's expecting you to have some type of control, when you come in as the backup officer, you grab the guy and you grab him right away and you get a hold and you grab him by the neck and you grab him. by his, He's trying to fight, but I'm not going to let him. And you grab that arm and you get him so that he can't move. You shove up against the wall. Thank you, son. <laughs> See, that, that didn't take much longer, did it? But that was her job. Her job was to grab the guy so they couldn't get away. She touched him like he was a like a I don't know, like he was. Um, uh, what is it? The porcelain. She touched him like it was porcelain. Let's watch this video one more time. Watch what happens here. Oh, here we go. Sorry, there we go. Oop, there, Oop, there we go. Here you come. Oh, I'm actually meant to show you the next video. Sorry, let me take this one down. So here I put in slow motion. Here's the slow motion. I slowed it down so you can see. All right, she's going to come in. Slow motion. Look at that. Nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing to keep that guy there. Now they're her both hands off, and he's gone. Now look at her left hand. Is she saw the piece of paper in it? Oh, she transferred hands. I think. Why transfer your hands on that piece of paper? Why worry about that piece of paper? Who cares? She's saying taser, taser, taser. She thinks she has a taser, but she doesn't. She has a piece of paper. Oh, a tragedy. A tragedy for her, right? Now she's in court. She's, uh, I don't know if she's in custody or not, or she bailed out. I think she might've bailed out. And now she's facing manslaughter charges. A, a woman who went to work, Pro, I'm guessing she may have a kid. I don't know if she has any children, um, but she would. She went to work that day just thinking she was going to go to work, make a couple car stops. Um, 
you know, uh, talk to the 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 uh, the the vendors that work in her area and check with them and say, how are things going? You have any shoplifting lately? You got any concerns? Anybody spray painting your wall? And she was going there thinking that you know she was just going to and then eventually retire and uh, and move on with her life. But no, she got put in a situation that she just simply wasn't prepared for. Either the city did not prepare her, the, the city did not give her uh, put her in a position to be successful. Um, uh, and you have that other officer who also, it, it's as much as his fault as, 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 as hers. Uh, why were they trying to handcuff this guy so close to an open door? It, it's again, it's police tactics 101. All right, let me look at a couple of things here. Uh, hey, Hedia, got nice. Oh, I already said hi to you. <laughs> I just love seeing you so much. Um, the tactics sucked. Absolutely, Paul. Oh, my gosh. They were horrible. Right. I mean, Paul and I, we had a good time. We, uh, you know, did, uh, did you know, our day, we griped about certain things and did a bunch of stuff. But when it comes to handling a call, you always handle a call for success. Always handle it for success. No matter if you joke around or whatever, you take people away. And it becomes secondhand, uh, not secondhand. It comes a second, um, second thought, second. What's that word? Um Whatever you know what I'm saying, that it just be a second nature. You get some second nature. Hey, come out of the car, get over here, sit on the curb, cross your feet, put your hands on your head before I can. Before I get out under the ground, sit down, put your cross your feet. I'm talking to my kids, right? You don't stand there next to the open door, right? You're what you're doing is you're protecting them from themselves. I know I said that ten times. But you don't stand there next to open door. You don't, you, you know, uh, it, it's it's like kids. You know, when you're when the kids are young, you tell them about the fire that's on the stove. You say, don't get so close to the stove. You When the handles are sticking out towards the stove, towards the, the kitchen, you turn the handles of the hot water that's boiling so that they don't hit them. You're protecting them from themselves. All these things go hand in hand. Whether you're talking about a suspect or your children, you have to, they don't know. You put them in a position to fail, they're going to fail. You're going to put them in a position to try to escape. They're going to try to escape. That's just the way that it is. Um, bad cop. Right. Yeah. Bad cop. Not equal. Not uh, a racist cop. Absolutely. Uh, have him a cuff sitting on the car. Absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm glad you said it. Cause that, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I think it was his registration for his car. Uh, yeah. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly was trying to escape from me. I wasn't going to let him. I knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to make me look bad on camera, but I was not going to let him go. <laughs> he was trying. And I think I got his arm tweaked just a little bit. Uh, like in the officer, uh, I, I have no idea what was going on there. It was, it was crazy. Yes, I wondered the same thing. He seemed to be fumbling uh, around. With, I don't know. I mean, it was, they just was bad. Everything was bad. If they call me to, to look at this case, I'm going to have to, um, you know, say uh, again i think it's super it's it's more to blame on the supervision than it is um uh, anything else the lack of supervision lack of good training um and uh, it's unfortunate they they could have been more successful if they would have got the the training they needed been put in a situation i'm just going to share with you um that when I when I had officers that i was training for uh you know police canine that i felt it was my duty to help them be successful to <laughs> Ray, Ray started laughing. I said, duty, not that kind of duty, D-U-T-Y. So um, <laughs> it was my duty to, again, set them up for success. It, it, it's not, it wasn't, I didn't feel it was just my job to train the dog to bite people, to train the dog to find narcotics and to show them how to do that with their dog. 
there is there's a lot also that when they on hand that they have to realize that they are sometimes at a disadvantage with the dog that the do dog is actually uh, puts them in a position where they can be so concerned about the dog that they forget about being a cop with a gun that they think the dog's always going to solve their problems. And so I'm one of the few, and this isn't, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you that these are the things you have to think of when you're training officers. You can't just say, I'm going to teach you how to write a ticket. I'm going to teach you how to turn on the little, you know, sparkly little lights and pull people over. Uh, and I'm going to teach you how to maybe uh, use verbal judo. That at some point you may need to wrestle with somebody and you need, you may need to shove their face into the ground. You may need to tell somebody to go sit on the curb, cross your feet, stick your feet out, cross your feet. Put your hands back so far that they, they, when they when they go to move, they have to actually get up from moving or put their hands on top of their head and make sure they keep their hands on top of their head. Whatever it is, right? You have to put them in a position where it takes more than just standing up or just running. Um, but you can't leave it at just teaching them the basics. You're going to have to teach them how to stay alive, how to keep the suspect alive, and now and how not to injure the 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 average citizen in the process of taking somebody into custody. Those are all important things. All right. So let me uh, go ahead, and I'm going to show you a video of the training that I did with the canine handlers. Um, that was well beyond anything anybody else was doing a canine. Again, this is not a pat on the back. This is to share with you, so that if you um, are wondering what needs to be done. I'm just sharing with you what I think needs to be done. Uh, oh, you know what? Let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to have to follow through with this one. I'm going to show you one other thing. All right. Let me just show you this really quick here. <clears throat> All right. So this video that I'm about to show you is canine training, uh, where I would take the handlers uh, because again, with dog handlers, the idea of the gun and shooting with their dogs is is foreign. I can tell you that I don't know that there's many other trainers, police candidates, that did what we were doing uh, at Falco Canine Academy, that were taking them out to a range to teach them how to shoot with their dogs. Every trainer that I know that I ever worked with taught people how to shoot um, shoot separately than with the dog. And like this lady, when she gets a piece of paper in her hand that obviously threw her off, that's all it took. Can you imagine having to get into shooting and figuring out what to do with now a dog and you've never done it? What do you do with the dog? How does, does the dog stay? Does the dog get afraid of the gunshots and run away? Um, it used to be that in Europe, dogs were trained to bite the person that was shooting. So what would happen here in the United States when we get a dog in our hands here? We would fire the gun and the dog would bite us. True story. And so we had to teach, we had to teach dogs not to bite us when we were shooting because in Europe during uh, uh, certain types of KMPV training or any kind of ring sport training or even uh, Schutzen training, that dogs were trained to, to, to bite, not really Schutzen training, but dogs were trained to bite the person that was shooting. They never thought, oh, I might be the one who's shooting. <laughs> and so what we found out is that you'd fire off a gun and the dog would bite you because he's been trained to do that over and over again. I, I, and, I, and I'm digressing, but really I'm not. Um, and so we have to find out. So here's the video that I want to share with you. It's our, it's our training um, here at Falco Canine Academy. And I am going to have to, there we go. All right. So before... Uh, be, be, I'm going to have to uh, mute my mic. So just watch this training and I'm going to show you what I put the, the dog handlers through. And this is really important because you got to take it um, and just understand that this is what you have to do with all your officers at different times. Again, there's a lot 
spent on academics, on how to write reports, on the crime, how to how to but, how to uh, book somebody, uh, the elements of a crime, uh, how to make a car stop. But they they don't do it under stress, and they don't do it to the situation where you make them do push ups and then make them shoot. You don't throw crap at them. Um, um, uh, we used to throw firecrackers at the handler sometimes when they were trying to shoot. We did all kinds of stuff to throw them off. But again, here's an example of this type of training. I knew I was going to do it. Hold on. I got to take this back and get rid of it and bring it back up. So sorry. Let's try it one more time. Oh man, I was on a roll. I was actually doing pretty good with this, uh, this thing. All right. Check the box. Now we go to monthly training. There we go. All right. Mute my mic. Good, 
Sorry, I'm going to repeat what I just said. <laughs> the darn muting the mic kills me. All right. So you can see what it looks like when you have to you put them through that type of training. Thank you, uh, Chris, is that you have to put them in these situations. It would get much more stressful. And then we would do it at nighttime with flashlights. And so daytime, you go through the motions. You make sure that they have uh, some type of muscle memory. You don't want to have. I know this sounds strange, but not too much muscle memory. You need them to be able to shift and change. You. Uh, I don't know if you noticed there was one handler who crossed his feet when he went to a prone position. That is from bad training. Um, I don't know where he learned that from, but I had to break him of crossing his feet because that's one more step that he had to do in order to get up. If you go in a prone position behind a curb, because that's your only position to cover and you cross your feet. Now it just takes that extra half second to uncross your feet and stand up if you need to move or get up and run or get or find some other type of cover. So we go through these things over and over again to figure out where it is that they're weak, where it is they're strong. Then I begin, you heard me yelling at them. Uh, we, you saw me putting them through the pushups. I'm the guy in the blue shirt and the funny hat. <laughs> you heard me um, telling them what to do. Um, I would have them uh, not know what it is I'm gonna, sometimes I'd have them prone, sometimes I'm have them kneel. So they have to listen, respond, and then shoot on target. These are things that have to take place in law enforcement. So I'm telling you, not enough of this happens. I can tell you that the female officer on the uh, in the Minnesota uh, case probably has not been through much of any kind of training like this. Uh, again, this is not uh, a situation where I'm saying this is how good we are and that's how bad they are. This is means that this is what they need to do. Uh, they need to be trained to do these things properly. Uh, I know that cops get trained a lot in a lot of different stuff. Uh, uh, CPR, uh, uh, PR. Um, again, how to uh, talk to somebody, how not to, to be too white, how not to be racist, how not to be a misogynist, uh, that there's 10 different genders. They get a lot of training in these other areas, but not enough training on how to not allow a suspect to think that he can try something, how, how uh, to put yourself in a position to win, uh, how to speak to people, not only in a, in, a, uh, you know, in a way that doesn't cause them to get upset, but also with a command presence that lets them know that you mean business. Those things are the things that need to be taught uh, more effectively. All right. I have one more video I want to show you. All right. I'm going to put you in the position of a police officer. And I made this video after the, um, oh my gosh, what's the guy's name? Hold on one second. I got it written down too. So I would, wouldn't forget it. Um, Jacob Brooks. So Jacob Brooks was the rapist that uh, Kamala Harris said, uh, I'm so proud of you. Um, and so he was the rapist. He, he uh, attacked his uh, baby mama, uh, threatened the killer. Uh, you know, I had, had raped her, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how many times uh, the cops knew him. And when they tried to hook him up, he decided to fight with the cops. He threw them off. He uh, he was armed with a knife. He went to his car and he was shot. And now he's paralyzed. And then Kamala Harris went to his house and said, oh, you're just the greatest guy. And I'm so proud of you. And then that was right after she told uh, Kavanaugh that he was a sexual predator. Does that make any sense? Um, and so I made this video. I'm going to start it and it's going to be the three different, it's going to be a video uh, that's going to, I'm sorry, I almost gave something away, but I'm going to um, uh, show you what, how quickly things can turn badly on you when you're a cop and you have to make a decision whether to shoot or not. And in this case, uh, again, if, if you're uh, going to see me, I'm going to, I'm going to be the bad guy in the video and you're going to see come running around the vehicle about the same speed that um, the, the suspect in the suspect, uh, what's his name again? Sorry, Jacob Brooks, that Jacob Brooks came running around his car. I think he was actually kind of walking, but anyway, I came around my truck 
And I go inside my car and you're going to see how quickly this person who, again, if you're looking at me as uh, uh, Brooks, is that I'm uh, armed and dangerous, that I just fought you. I, I probably just I punched you in the face and got you off of me. You've tased me. I forgot about the taser. Uh, you've tased me and I've taken the tasers off and I, and I fought the taser off. And now you're the officer who's pursuing me. And I want you to make a decision whether the shoot me or not. Now, Amy and the, again, uh, whoever else is watching what I did this before, you don't, you, you, you're going to cheat because you know what's happening here. So uh, let me go ahead and share this video. And I want you to make a decision on whether or not you decide to shoot me or not. All right, I'm going to share the screen. And I'm not going to forget to, here we go. Turn on my audio. All right, I'm going to make it. There you go, full screen. All right, I'm going to mute my mic, and uh, you decide on each of these scenarios where you whether you shoot me or not. All right, here we go. Muting the mic. All right, did you shoot me? <laughs> I'm a cop. Did you shoot me? Because I, I didn't have a gun, I, I had a wallet. Did you make the decision to And the, the, the outcome could be whatever. We don't know, right? We don't know why he's going in the car. We don't know why he's not getting in and starting to sit down like a regular person would. He's diving down to get something, right? And so there's complete difference between sitting down and, and grabbing for something on the floorboard. So um, keep that in mind. Here we go. dead did you drop the book or pull the trigger before i stabbed you with this knife did you see it fast enough did you see how quickly i could move from getting the knife and stabbing you with this knife did you pull the trigger in time or did you hesitate because of the last scenario because you saw a wallet and now you're thinking oh no what's he going to do in this scenario now you're i you don't know <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen on this one <clears throat> all right ready I just shot you. You see my finger out there? <laughs> Bam, I just shot you. What is it? How fast, how fast did that happen? Did you recognize what it was? Did you know? All right. So again, just a, scenario, a couple of scenarios just to show you how quickly and how fast these things happen. You have to make a decision like that. Sometimes it's a gun. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a knife. Sometimes he got rid of the gun, just like we did in the very first scenario. Um, I wanted to show you all these things and take you through each one of these things and give you a perspective that maybe you weren't getting from the news media. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, from somebody who's been doing this for a very long time, 21 years as a law enforcement officer, 30 some odd years training police officers officers, training them in tactics, uh, training them in scenarios that cause them so much stress that they would fail, which you need scenarios that you train so hard that you fail. You need to have failure training so you can figure out what your limitations are and how you need to improve without uh, putting officers in a position of failing sometimes in the scenario or, or seeing if they're going to fail, then you're never really training them anything. If you're training them on paper and on whiteboards like this, and you're just doing something like that, that's not going to help the officer there in um, in Minnesota be successful when you have somebody actually fight and pull away from them and get inside the vehicle and drive away. And uh, she grabbed the wrong uh, piece of equipment because she was under stress. She'd never done it before. She had a piece of paper in her hand. God knows what, what went wrong. Uh, but uh, now a man is dead. Uh, granted, he's a suspect in a crime and he's been a robbery suspect and not a really nice person. Um, and he made the choice to, to fight. That is true. All that is true. And uh, I put that more on him than anything else. But they also gave him 
the opportunity to do that and gave them the window in order to be able to do that. And so uh, on, on that, they are um, culpable, um, probably I would say more because of lack of uh, good supervision and training from their police department. Their police department is as much fault um, as, uh, as anybody else. Again, if we were just to go with children, again, if you never taught your children that whatever's on the stove is hot and could burn them and cause, you know, they could tumble uh, a pot of hot boiling water on top of their face. If you've never taught them that and they and then they do it again, is that uh, the kid's fault or is it your fault? If you know that there's training that they need to not be by an open door of a vehicle and you never told them not to do that because, you know, for heck's sake, they've made hundreds of car stops and they've never that's never happened to them before, but the one time it does, somebody dies, then um, they probably should have been trained better and, and something should have been done to prepare them for that kind of thing. All right. Hope this has been helpful. I know it's a very long video. It's a you know minute and 20 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes. And um, uh, but I just thought that it would be necessary for you to take you through those scenarios and also speak honestly about something that I thought that um, could have been done better. And unfortunately, somebody died. Um, the officer in Chicago, he, he was that was a good shooting. I'm not good in this that it was good vanity, but it was not a bad shoot. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, there's nothing he could have done. He did the right thing and did the best that he could. All right, my friends, I hope this has been helpful and uh, I appreciate your time and watching. I appreciate your comments. If you think there's somebody that you would, uh, uh, that would get something out of this and be helpful to them, send it to them as long as it's uh, available. Uh, we're broadcasting on five different pages on YouTube um, or on Facebook. I'm sorry. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. I don't know how long they're going to stay on those platforms or this video will stay on those platforms, but uh, if you can try to share it. All right. Thanks guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Amy, are you still there? <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to come back. I've never done this before where I started to end and I came back. Um, Amy, the answer, uh, she wanted to know, what's the answer to the scenario on the board? The answer is, Amy, if you're still there, let me know if you're still on. Uh, because I I mean, if, there's, is there, if there is somebody still on that wants to see this. The answer to this scenario is that I always make sure when I have a building that there's uh, either a door with a doorknob here, like there could be a door with a doorknob there, uh, there could be a, uh, uh, where's a, hold on. There could be a tree here. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing them sideways. That way you can see them. Or their patrol car is over here. Their patrol car could be over here and their, you know, their doors are open. Um, and so one of these three things, right? A, a, a tree, a doorknob, or a police car. What they need to do, if the door is the closest thing, they tie their leash around the doorknob and they leave their dog tied to the doorknob. And now they go and be a cop. They they uh, they can. I, I suggest, hey, if you if you know this area and you can fire a um, a warning shot in that direction, you're trying to save somebody's life. As long as you know your background. Again, this is I, I tell them this is an option, but it's going to be up to you and your policy, your decision making. If you're trying to save your your buddy's life down here, uh, it may it may not be a bad idea to shoot around. It maybe into a car or into a berm if there's one back here. But fire around, go out there and rescue your buddy. Fire around, go out there and get him and drag him back really fast. Um, 
if your car is close by, you may want to put your dog in the, in the patrol car and then drive your car, drive your car up here and then use your car for cover. If you can, if again, this just depends on the, that solution. If there's no door on this side, then you tie your dog to the tree. And now your dog is tied here. Now you go back and you, again, you rescue your cop. At some point, you're going to have to go out there and get that guy. And you're going to need to move fast and go get him and grab him and pull him back. All right. So I'm not sure if I, I lost Jamie or not, if you're still on there, but she wanted to know the solution. And I didn't mean to leave you hanging. I wish I would have saw that earlier. So I apologize, but we'll go ahead and end. <laughs> we'll end now. And um, for those of you that stuck around for that answer, uh, there's the answer to that scenario. There, it is it is solvable. Uh, but uh, you just have to make a decision. The, the most important thing, I don't care what it is, you could fail, but the most important thing is you make a decision and uh, you try to uh, your best to save that officer's life. All right, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye.